Hello, everybody. You're probably thinking, hmm, Travis sounds different today. And yes, I'm currently getting over a slight cold from last week, and I'm actually not Travis. My name is Finner, and I'm currently interning with the amazing team here at Fool and Scholar Productions. And I'm here today to tell you about the last city. In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. A geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors like Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Torado, and Maury Sterling. You can follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. A big thanks to Wondery for supporting shows like The White Vault. And now, on with the scheduled programming. The following documents and recordings are the first installment in a compilation detailing the events of Graham Kasner's return to Svalbard, following the occurrences of Outpost Freestead and Base Camp Piedra. Mr. Kasner's return to Svalbard was accompanied by fellow specialist Drakani Vukovic and archaeology professor Dr. Josefa Guerrero. In the summer months, Arctic cyclones are the foremost type of hazardous weather present in areas across the northern Atlantic, northern Pacific, and North Seas, capable of developing tumultuous sea conditions, impacting sea ice, dropping heavy precipitation, and resulting in avalanches. These Arctic cyclones can severely impact the lives of local populations. During these storms, travel is not advised. The White Vault Following the previous compilation, Mr. Kasner, Ms. Vukovic and Dr. Guerrero began their trip from Argentina to Svalbard, Norway. During the beginning of their trip, I was still at the Velsingena Handelsbelag offices in Stockholm, Sweden, meeting with a woman I had only recently learned was my mother. This first recording takes place in the company's presidential office and is a portion of the continuation from my personal recording device following the destruction events at the Patagonian vault site. My mother, head of Velsingener Handelsbelag, stepped outside of the office for several calls during this section of the recording. I apologize for this. She will return after the calls. Can I get you anything else while you wait? Can you get her to come back in here? Well, she appears to be, um... I think it would be better to give her time to address the newest developments. Just open the door. Uh, I, uh, well, you are family. She perhaps will not mind. Just tell me if we can... I am so sorry, Olivia. I'm getting another call. I will call you back. Ja, vi där. Vi hade en händelse på katastrofnivå på sajten i Patagonien. Så var beredd på oväntad aktivitet. Du har redan... Dokumentera det, tack. 
Vidar, ring mig om den blir aktiv. Jag har ett annat samtal. No, wait, excuse me. Please, stop. We need a translator on the line. Translator, please. No, call me back when you have a translator. Goodbye. Yes, Rainier, thank you for holding. I have been swamped with calls. Please get hold on the line if she's available. Yes, I'll hold. Thank you. Are you going to be able to speak with me again soon? We have a lot to discuss. We will speak, but given the events, events advanced by your actions... The destruction of the Patagonian vault location is... Yes, still holding. Thank you. I'll wait. Dear, please. These are extraordinary circumstances. Yes, I'm sure. Yes, the attack on the Patagonian site... Attack? This was a solution. Solution? What your little troop of marauders did to the Patagonian vault site will have consequences for years, possibly generations. I've received calls from Iceland, Tajikistan, Nepal, my site. All of them have spikes, reactionary events. The Svalbard site is still active. The Patagonian site is falling down the mountain. And reports from the Nepal and the Western and Northern Canada sites now expect a far earlier cycle restart, with activity already reaching peak levels in Western Canada. This was not a solution. It was a mistake. This will lead to more deaths, certainly in the short term, and have no effect on decreasing cycles in the long term. It was catastrophe. It was something. Something worthwhile to try. Some attempt at breaking the cycle instead of... instead of benefiting from the pain of others. Where are you going? We have more to discuss once I've dealt with... I'm sorry, I'm sure you understand. Please hold. If I stay, you will only continue with your cryptic answers and continue dodging any questions you feel are unconstructive to winning me over to your side. There are no sides, dear. And I'm not trying to be dismissive or secretive. I have just tried so hard for so long to keep you out of this. I don't know how to feel about bringing you in. If you're leaving, at least take Sveda. Why? If you don't take it, it will just come to you eventually. Better to know. You must remember... Sveda is your protector now. And what do I have to fear? Retaliation. I will try to keep this quiet. Not the event itself, it's news. But your involvement as a member of the family. Hulda already knows, but I can keep it between us, hopefully. But what if Sina Benny finds out? Or the other American families? You're my daughter. I will do everything I can to protect you. Sveda will too. You'll just use the artifact to find me. I could find you regardless. Take it. Ebba, koppla samtal till mitt kontor och ring ner till receptionen och be dem göra i ordning min dotters bil. Ja, naturligtvis. At this time, I left the Warsignia Handelsbelag officers. A car was waiting for me outside, and I requested to return to my hotel. 
I had taken Svetha and its box with me, as my mother had requested, but I kept it locked from that point onward. I am not sure locking it does any good. After reaching my hotel room, I called back to the UK to discuss the revelations of my mother with my father. I have not included those recordings, but the key points are important to include here. My father knows nothing of my mother's family activities. He apologized for much of the deceit that led to my lack of knowledge regarding my mother. When I told him about the photos of them on holiday, he froze up slightly. I believe these memories were too painful for him to recall with affection, and he excused himself from the call shortly after. I packaged up several of the old photos I had received and mailed them to him that evening, along with a note. During my time in Stockholm, Mr. Kasner's team began their return trip to Svalbard. As cameras and documents were assembled and created for ease of collection, few recordings exist of the period of time between the airports in Argentina and Norway. Dr. Josefa Guerrero wrote a letter to her husband, which was not retrieved. Ms. Vikovic made calls cancelling future engagements, and Mr. Kasner forwarded me a list of required supplies. The supplies were prepared within the hour. During Mr. Kasner's team's final layover in Oslo before the final leg of the journey to Svalbard, they collected the requested supplies. At my request, the team was re-outfitted with charged and undamaged body cameras and journals. During this short layover, the majority of the previously assembled documents and physical records were dropped off with one of my local couriers. This first section from the returning team's new files comes from the body camera of Dr. Guerrero. At the time, the team was on a small plane headed from Oslo, Norway, to Longyearbyen, Svalbard. At the beginning of the recording, Dr. Guerrero is adjusting her camera and repacking her backpack. A loud slam spins her around to where she is facing Mr. Kasner, who has just awoken with a startled fit. Hey, con cuidado! Get her! What? Calm down. What are you talking about? Graham, who... Bad dream. How far out are we? <sighs> Not far. Did you see her again? The woman from the cave, Rosa? If I dream about Maui, do I get to go to Maui? It's not relevant to getting this done. You hate the tropics, but you loved that woman. Was it her? You really want me to tell you about a dream I had? On a plane heading toward probable death after three cups of shitty airport coffee and an airport burrito? Sure. So I saw a raccoon so large it flapped its ears and flew away like Dumbo. How's that? Oh, look! Sarcasm! How original! Was it about Irina? <clears throat> Who's Irina? Fine. It. It was Rosa and the others. From when Karina was standing outside the bunker door, trying to get in, she could have just... It it could have. It wasn't her. I know that. But it got in before, so why did it not just come in? What else? When I looked back at the door, it wasn't Karina outside. It 
was Rosa. And I was in the bunker alone when the, the scratching started. I tried to open the door, but Rosa was missing, and I couldn't find her in the dark. Do you see her now? Do you see her here? No. Do you? Not your Rosa, but I have seen others. Carito, Liu. In dreams or when you are awake? It's uh, difficult to tell. Just don't go chasing anyone off into the night. There won't be much night this time around. The midnight sun is up for now. Any new ideas in those notes? Perhaps, but just listen. I don't have all the answers, so allow me to finish. See, Dr. Liu, Xiao, she drew many of the glyphs, and Raimi drew some as well while in the main chamber. These two are the ones I want to address. These are mine and Zhao's drawings of the glowing chamber, the animals, and the lines. If we assume these animals are symbolic representations of locations, we can count a minimum of seven here, though not all were documented in time. The China side, Svalbard, Patagonia, this we know, but the lines are an important key to the interconnectivity of the locations. They are not just telling us this size exists, but that they are connected and possibly rely on each other. Think of it like a net. Each location is a knot holding the net together, and the connections are the ropes. When together and connected, is strong. Strong enough to catch its chosen prey. Or? Or keep something contained. If there is a hole in the net, things can begin to slip through. Like us escaping the mountain, or me leaving Svalbard. In one direction, yes. But also the other way. It might not have caught you, or me, but it could also mean the net is weaker at holding something else back. And what is that? <sighs> I don't know yet. Exciting, isn't it? We have the opportunity to discover and present to the world one of the deepest, oldest cultures and mysteries of human history, deeper than any recorded time we have known. We are at the forefront of a revelation. <laughs> Do you feel that way, Graham? Not at all. You don't have to. I will. I will do this for everyone, for the collective knowledge of humanity's past. It is not the past that concerns me. It is now and tomorrow. Yes, if this has been going on for generations, millennia, longer, that is terrible. But we can stop it now. We can stop the deaths now, and hopefully stop the deaths intended for tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? We have to. History informs us. We can only learn how to stop this through the hints we can scavenge from the past. Explosives seem to work. Don't think the past knew about explosives. We cannot continue to eradicate history with wanton destruction. When we were trying to get off the mountain, no one seemed to mind. How long until we get to Long Yubian? Just over an hour. I'm going back to sleep. I'll wake up when we land. The recording continued for some time, as Soto Guerrero examined the journal of Dr. Liu, but the pages are at such an angle to the camera as to make it illegible. Dr. Guerrero appeared to only examine the drawings, 
as the written notes were in Mandarin. Additionally, Dr. Guerrero had downloaded several of the scans compiled by Simon Hall for further examination. These scans contained no notes on translations, but based on Dr. Guerrero's cross-referencing and note-taking, she was attempting to translate further sections of the glyphs and triptychs during the flight. The next recording comes from the body camera of Miss Vukovic after the team had landed at the Svalbard airport in Longyearbyen and passed through the required customs. The small airport appears filled with tourists, some of whom are laying on the ground or across benches. It is clear that the building is over its intended capacity. This is the relevant portion of the recording. Flights out or either cancelled or delayed. Yes, the storm over the water is getting too strong. We appear to be the last craft to arrive. Look, the weather system is moving in from the southwestern coast. We were supposed to meet our next pilot here. I'll check with the staff. Stay put for a moment. And don't frighten the tourists. Excuse me. Ah, John. Ah, uh, there are no open flights at this time. I can see that. I'm looking for an update on a private flight. This is the flight information. It's not on the board. Uh, give me a moment. Like I said, there are no open flights. Your private flight was delayed without a current rescheduling. Additionally... We haven't received any of the required check-in information from your pilot. Honestly, I can't even tell you where your plane is. Not that anyone is permitted to use the runway at this time. This storm is approaching too quickly. We are on our way to Nialisand. So are a lot of these other tourists. Lots of ruined vacations right now, not just yours. Besides, the last time anyone heard from Nialisand was days ago from Kazo. Hey, John, just tell me where the castle building is before I decide to... Oh, if only tourists are protected, Dragana. <laughs> Leave him. I know the place. Let's go. If you try to get there, you're going to get hurt. Yeah, yeah. That was hyggelig to talk about. This way. Snackes aldrig. Rasshål. The color of the clouds, like a shroud. It's worrisome, more so when it reaches the town. We're going to lose any opportunity we had to reach Nialison. Hey, Nuka, you have a car, I'll take you off the road. Quatsch, Nietzsche. Plaza Troy is a car, and you have to take us off. Eh, forward. Get in. Where are we going? CASO, the Canadian Arctic Zone Science Organization. They have a small building not ten minutes from here. If they were the last to hear from Nialisand, we can figure out what they heard and find a way from there. 
If the airport won't let us fly out, we have other options. Dangerous options? Is that a joke? So, what options? Boat, helicopter, or overland. If we cannot fly on the plane, how could we take a helicopter? The airport can decide to stop flights for legal protection. If we find a private helicopter, we can still take off in this weather. For now. Landing in the Allison is another matter. One thing at a time. Let's find out what we can. So, what do we think about the storm? Is it natural or otherwise? The net is broken and losing its form. It's not as bad yet, but it could be. If Neolisand is suffering from a storm, it has to be the... place. It was only at Outpost Freestead before. This is dangerously fast escalation. They don't want this to go on. What? If they're all connected, they know the Patagonian side is gone. They know something is damaging their ability, their net, and they were not prepared. So they want to find a solution. If the solution is more lives and none are at the outpost, they must search further. Well, that's a terrifying thought. How far would they go? If no one has heard from Neolicent, that's a far stretch. How many people are in Neolicent? During this season, maybe a hundred. And probably some tourists who got stuck there. A wide net. Get in here. Shut the door behind you. What are you doing here? We heard that the last contact out of Neolusund was one of your guys. I need any information you have about what's going on over there. You're not the only one. But sure, come in. Sit uh, over there. Coffee's hot. I'll get the recording queued up. You have a recording? Uh, we record all calls in and out and log them for up to 30 days. If they're not required after that, we delete them. Sit. I'll be back in a second. You have worked with them before? A few years ago. I was the guide for a coring trip they ran in 2007 and a radio tower installation in 2008. And they like you here? So rare. They paid well enough for a polite experience. Got priority for the job over some of the other guides because I'm Canadian. <laughs> Perks, eh? We've tried multiple times to reach out, but we haven't heard back. No one has heard back from any of the stations in Yellowsund. Are you going out there? That's the plan. We only have one person out there, Dr. Carter Dwan. This last recording of him is from six days ago, and... It's not good. The station in Yalisund is small and houses several teams from different organizations, but we've not heard from any of them. Here. 
Hey, Long Base, this is Carter at New Orleans on station. Is anyone on? Over. Carter, this is Kelly. I'm listening. Over. We've got some rather strange noises coming from the neighboring research station. I don't know if you can hear them. I'm going to leave the channel open for a moment. See if you can hear it. Did you hear it? Over. I did. Sounds like damaged equipment. Over. Exactly. I'm gonna go check if anyone needs help. But all other station crew... On. Over. Carter. Are you there, Carter? Over. That's it. And the chanting? No idea. What kind of work does Carter do? He's an Arctic climate researcher, like most of us. And no one has gone out to check on the station? Oh, the storm that's coming this way is wreaking havoc on the shore. Travel by boat has been impossible. People have tried. Two boats had to be rescued. None of the commercial helicopter programs will risk their gear or crew to check, and emergency services want to wait until after the storm ends. Honestly, based on the weather, it's still possible to helicopter in, but the window is closing. So all we need is a helicopter, now. Can you fly? Yes, as long as it is the right type. Nothing too large. I used to fly back in my avalanching days. The weather's not bad enough here to stop a takeoff, but I'm more worried about where we'd land. If you can fly, then there may be a solution. Give me half an hour. First, I, I have to make a call. Where are you going? Outside. I'll be back before the half hour. Come get me otherwise. The video from Mr. Vukovic's body camera continued. But the long sections of time spent waiting in the Canadian Arctic Zone Science Organization's small building contained no relevant information. The next section comes from the body camera of Mr. Kasner not long after he had left the building. The video shows him walking toward the rocky shore and deep waves, with nothing but a wall of white visible across the bay. What about the statues? Do you see them? 
when the waves bow low. They're waiting. Don't worry, they will follow us. Long Yerbian is still safe. Graham, you're safe Don't tell Tragana about the voices. Hmm? She can't hear them. This is Dr. Amelia Murray. This is Graham Kastner and Dr. Josefa Guerrero. Dr. Murray has a helicopter. Nice to meet you. I'm hoping we can help each other. I heard you were trying to get to Nialisand. We are. Ms. Vukovic says she can fly a helicopter, and I need a pilot. This is very dangerous, Dr. Murray. Why do you need to go to Nialisand? It would be safer for you to wait until the storm has passed and normal travel resumes. If I were just doing my normal job, then I would agree. But I have to collect physical samples from the Alicent for transport back to the UK. And I'm bringing a pack of requested medical supplies. To be blunt, you aren't getting access to my helicopter unless I'm on board. If this is so vital to risk the danger, where is your pilot? Why have you not left? My pilot never showed up. Either he didn't want to fly out in this weather, or his flight was cancelled. Either way, I haven't heard from him, and he was meant to be here yesterday. But if we plan on going, we're running out of time. The landing conditions are already worse than anything here. Yes, we cannot wait. Give me a moment with Dragana. Go ahead back to the road, and we'll meet you up there. We should leave now. I can drive us to the pad. Do you have gear? We do. Once we're ready, we'll meet you out front. Come. Don't give me this spiel again, Graham. You can stay in Longyearbyen or leave Svalbard. You don't have to go to Nealessand. Oh, really? And who is going to fly you out there? Dragana, if anything happened to you after everything else that's happened... Uh, wait, turn off the stupid cameras. Both Mr. Kastner and Ms. Vukovic's body cameras were shut down at this time, and were not reactivated until they had boarded the helicopter for Nialisand. Neither the sounds nor statues mentioned by Mr. Kastner and Dr. Guerrero were recorded on the cameras. The following short section comes from the time of Mr. Kastner and Ms. Vukovic's previous conversation, but from the body camera of Dr. Guerrero. Tell me, Dr. Murray, what is it you do? Amelia is fine. I'm an oceanographer. And you? Archaeology. A bit of a strange place to find an archaeologist. Perhaps. Look up there, into the waves. Do you see anything? Perhaps. Statues. Not rocks. Statues. Carved and designed. Are those what you're here to study? Do you specialize in ancient Arctic cultures? There were no people here before the 17th century. How strange. Have you seen them before? Yes. Are you okay, Dr. Guerrero? You seem tired. We have a lot of work to do. It's exciting. Not to overstep, having only just met. But it is important to remember that sometimes we must admit there are things we cannot do ourselves. Not without help. 
be it others or tools or knowledge. Thank you for your concern, Amelia. I'm taking all the help I can get. Others, tools, knowledge. Well, then, we agree. Call me Josefa. Okay. After these discussions, Graeme Kasner, Dracano Vukovic, Dr. Josefa Guerrero, and Dr. Amelia Murray drove to a helipad east of the populated areas of Longyearbyen. While I did not condone bringing Dr. Murray into the danger expected in Nyarlathotep, I was in no position at the time to stop her joining the expedition. During the beginning of the flight, Dr. Guerrero's body camera was on, but much of the audio is incomprehensible. Ms. Vukovic took command of the helicopter, with Mr. Kasner as her co-pilot, though it was clear through their actions that she found him of little assistance. The wind can be seen as it whips through loose straps, and the packs and gear were loaded into the Eurocopter 135T1. The helicopter was branded to a company called Arctic Transport and Logistics, which was dissolved and sold in 2009. The team lifted off from the small helipad at 16.45, with all the requested gear and the addition of both Dr. Amelia Murray and her supplies. At 16.57, an official weather warning was extended to Longyearbyen in Norwegian, Russian and English. It read, Urgent extreme weather warning Longyearbyen, Svalbard. Extreme weather warning in effect beginning 1700 hours. Wind east northeast and winds increasing to between 120 to 150 kilometers per hour by 20 hundred hours. Waves increase ocean volatility, 8 to 10 feet near shore. Impacts local power may be disrupted. Travel will be disrupted. Precautionary slash preparedness actions. Long year being airport has grounded all flights. No inbound outbound air travel is permitted. Avoid shores and do not travel by water. Beware of unseen undertow. Make preparations for power loss. Travel is not advised. This concludes the first set of documents and recordings from the team's return to Svalbard and completes this section of information regarding the team's travel into and out of Longyearbyen. The White Vault. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. 
As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. 